0: And welcome to the Spooky Town Podcast, episode five. Um, exciting. Five episodes in, huh? Stuff. Woop woop. Um half of
1: ten.
0: Half of ten, yes. Very, very exciting stuff. Um, we're starting a new series here on the podcast called The Lost Two Thousands, where we watch and talk about movies, horror movies that came out in you guessed it the 2000s
1: (laughs) in the 90s
0: (laughs) it's gonna be a really good series (laughs) are you confused good um just kidding (laughs) um no uh we're talking about movies that came out in the 2000s and um In case you didn't know, the 2000s are kind of talked about, at least in the horror movie um, community, as being um, sort of a dark age for horror for whatever reason. Um, And we're here to tell you that is incorrect. And there are actually quite a few um, amazing films that came out during that time. So uh, without further ado, we will present our first film of the Lost 2000 series. Today we are talking about the movie pulse that came out in 2001. Uh, Cairo, um, is the Japanese pronunciation of, um, the film and the Americanized title is pulse. Um, this was directed by Kiyoshi Kurosawa and, um, an amazing filmmaker, of course in Japan. And, uh, but before we get into it, Steph, how's it going?
1: <laughs> oh, it's
0: going, you know. Yeah. That's good. how was really. your week? How was your two week? The our our tens of listeners are are wondering where what we've been up to the last two weeks.
1: Uh the last two weeks I was disconnecting from reality every single day because it was stressful. So <laughs> yeah uh, this, this translated to a lot of buffy a lot of buffy that's what that's how you know i'm I'm going through it is when i just, just binge buffy
0: binge buffy yeah yeah fun fact i actually for the listeners i have hadn't seen buffy at all literally until um the pandemic actually like when when things you know when everything started shutting down i was like I'm going to start watching Buffy and Steph has been a huge fan for years. And um, I am a new convert to the Buffy fandom. I haven't finished it yet. I'm on like season four, I think.
1: It's interesting coming into Buffy as an adult because wow, a lot of it did not age well, also fuck Joss Whedon. Correct. But it's also just still weirdly comforting. So I usually yeah. just come back to it when I don't want to think about things.
0: It's a good. It's a. It's an amazing series, and it's super. Um, what am I trying to say? Entertaining and funny. It's very witty, um, and the characters are great. The actors are great. It's silly. <laughs> it's very silly, yeah. but it's very good. I liked it. I haven't finished. I do it. get
1: to make fun of David Borean as a lot, which is one of my pastimes.
0: Can I just say, he is like my least favorite. I
1: Like boyfriend?
0: I'm not not an Angel fan. Yeah.
1: He's way better than other guy. I haven't gotten to him yet.
0: I haven't gotten to him. Well, I've I've obviously been introduced to him, but I haven't gotten to their love story, which I don't even see how it's going to happen. I just, I don't see how it's going to happen at this phase where I'm at. But I, I know that it does happen. It just seems like that's so weird, you know? It sure does happen. That's yeah. very strange. Yes. It's very season strange.
1: four and season five are...
0: Uh, Liquid garbage. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I like a lot of things that happen in seasons four and five. He is not one of them.
0: Mm. But yeah. he
1: is not a permanent addition to the show. So okay, there's good. some solace in that.
0: Good. So what else did you get up to this week, Steph? If we're chatting chatting movies, what else did you do?
1: If we're chatting movies, um, I didn't watch as much as I did last time. I watched like an entire paragraph of movies. But over the last two weeks, because most of my time has been taken up by Buffy. But I watched The Empty Man, The Forgotten, The Perfect Host, Pulse, (laughs) Emily, (laughs) Uh, the first saw the last exorcism, and then I was just watching the American remake of Pulse like an hour ago.
0: oh nice okay um you rewatched saw how did how did you like that the it's, I don't remember when that came out like fifteen years ago
1: uh yeah, it was like between two thousand four and two thousand five I, f- I forget mm. um. It's weird coming back to Saw. Well, for one thing, again, I don't know why I keep doing this to myself, because I just keep on watching James Wan movies. No one is going to believe me that I hate James Wan. <laughs> if you look at my watch history on Netflix and Amazon, you're going to think I love him.
0: He's so prominent that it's hard to not. And I,
1: I, I do like Insidious. So there's Same. that. I have to give Same. him that, except not really, because I hate James Wan but yeah <laughs> but it was interesting coming back to Saw like many many years later after I first saw it
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> that kind that of clever play on words is what you have come to expect here on the <laughs> Spooky Town podcast
1: yes prime comedy over here
0: <laughs> that, that level of wit do you get it from other podcasts I don't think so <laughs> I'm a little delirious. Okay, <laughs> What's uh, however, moving
1: saw so it's it's actually well, it's still really stupid. Like it's mm-hmm. genuinely dumb because Jigsaw is one of the absolute dumbest villains ever. Um, mm-hmm. but it's like well, comparably extremely tame compared to the other Saw movies. And then also other like similar kinds of movies that I've seen, but also it's just like, it's what I'm trying to say is that it's not as bad as I remember. So I had yeah. to give it a watch again.
0: I remember thinking it was, it was really creative um, for the, when it came out, like it was definitely yeah, a different premise, right? It was, yeah. I mean, as far as villains go, like, I mean, Saw has been kind of done to, done to death, but yeah, um, jigsaw as a villain he's not so incredibly different than like all the other mega villains that exist out there in the horror scape because he's got like a moral imperative that he's trying to put on to everybody and that's pretty typical right of other villains
1: really stupid i hate jigsaw
0: yeah so he's not a jigsaw himself isn't the thing necessarily i guess that's the creative part of it it's more of like the the world i guess in the way it's built
1: the like death contraptions that he sets up while they're not in the same vein as say final destination where <laughs> that's more of a rube goldberg type situation um it is sort of almost complicated enough to be in that territory Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Well, no, you don't know yeah. what I mean because you haven't seen Final Destination.
0: Oh, I've seen Final Destination. I just have I haven't seen it for like ten years. Like I oh, okay. watched those movies in theaters when they came out, but I haven't seen mm. them. <laughs> uh-huh. So <do> anyway. <laughs> Final Destination is going to be a movie that we or is going to be a series we talk about soon. So um Very I will soon. get I will they will be in my life, those movies over the next couple of weeks when I motor through you know, them
1: they, they better be that's <laughs> all I'm going to say <laughs> but anyway
0: um, I, do you ever get the sense you're just on very thin ice with <laughs> <laughs> me with, with your sister <laughs> I'm one I'm just one hair away and it's done <laughs>
1: on a a different um...
0: coast (laughs) yeah (laughs) love you too (laughs) um anyways sorry i keep interrupting you go go on
1: uh yeah i i think the most notable thing though that i watched was the empty man because for one thing it's like 800 hours long and it also (laughs) is like yeah i know i'm still watching it actually uh it is quite the uh, ambition. Like, there's a lot of ambition there. Uh,
0: and how dare they, you know?
1: Honestly, like, how dare you? I mean, that's what I was asking. Who do you think they you know. are it's, having ambition? It's fine. It's a lot. But it's fine.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I want to watch that one after you told me a little bit about it. Um, I'm definitely interested in giving it a go.
1: It's a bit confusing, but like, it's fine.
0: <clears throat> but I'm really smart. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be easy for me. All yeah. um, right. <laughs> this is coming from me who um, needs to have Game of Thrones paused every five minutes. So everyone can remind me of who everyone was. <laughs> Cause I can never fucking <laughs> So if Stephanie found the empty man confusing, Karen fucking to you, I'm not going to know where I'm at, but
1: yeah, <laughs> it's, it has Aaron Poole, So that's nice, but it only has him for like 30 minutes. Mm. You know, Aaron I Poole.
0: no, I don't know who that is. I was you just going to the
1: star of the void. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. I like him. He's awesome. Oh, I love the void. Such a good movie. Mm -hmm. There's just nothing like, there's just nothing like it. We've we've talked about it on like three of the five episodes that we've (laughs) recorded. We've mentioned the void because we love it so much. One of these days we're just going to have to, we'll just have an episode about the void. Um, Awesome. And then you watched the last exorcism on here too. Is that, remind me, is that the, um, who directed that one? Was that Eli Roth? No. He directed an exorcism movie, I thought. Who
1: knows? I wouldn't know.
0: Like 10 years ago. Okay. I hate Eli Roth. (laughs) What if you Google this? What if you Google it and it's Eli Roth? How mad are you? Um, What if
1: I watched it it last night? (laughs) What if you watched (laughs) a James Wan? It's also something I've seen several times because I love that movie. (laughs) I used to. (laughs) He produced it. <laughs> he didn't direct it, but he is one of the producers. Yes,
0: yes. Okay, you I'm... watched a James Wan movie and an Eli Roth produced film in the same week. Oh, Steph! I'm just kidding. I'm just giving. It I, need <laughs> I need to leave. I need to leave. Oh my god i do remember i I remember that because i remember being at the um and i um lived in this tiny little mountain town i think we've talked about it before um in high school and i remember going to see a movie at the theater there and um walking past the the poster i don't know why it was important for me to say that we lived in a small mountain town because i was just in a movie theater But I walked past a poster. Back in the two
1: thousands, young children, we lived in a small mountain town.
0: There you go, nice. You you tied it in.
1: (laughs) I don't know how it's tied in, but it will be important (laughs) later.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Let's just yeah, we'll go with that. Um, and I remember seeing his name on it because he was like the big name, and I remember seeing his name on the Last Exorcism poster with the girl bent backwards and stuff, and I was like,
1: What I remember about seeing in theaters was. There's a part in the movie where someone takes the camera because it's found footage. They take the camera and they kill a cat with it. It's really graphic. Oh,
0: and I remember shit.
1: this mother came in with like her four year old daughter, like right before that scene. End and they the sat movie. down. Yeah. They, they, and this is like an hour in, or maybe not an hour, like 45 minutes. Yeah. Like, the movie yeah. is already well underway. She came in with her young child. They sat down that scene happened and then they got up and left and i'm like did you just figure out that this wasn't <clears throat> toy story 2 or yeah. something <laughs> like uh, i don't think they i don't think they bash a cat in with a camera in that movie
0: i don't lord that is something else i haven't seen that movie since like i watched it in theaters basically so i don't remember yeah. that part at all but i'll take your word yeah, for it it's pretty gross
1: It's a really good movie. That part is gross,
0: Mm. but
1: I, mm, I'm upset now. Though,
0: I know it's okay. He didn't direct it; he just produced it. We'll let you. We'll give you what we call on the podcast a spooky town mulligan. You get only, (laughs) you only get three. (laughs) Oh,
1: oh, I've already taken up one. You only get
0: get three, three per. three per 50 episodes so you're one down oh Oh boy (laughs) oh
1: god i'm not doing too well then you don't want to see what happens after
0: (laughs) the third mulligan okay
1: (laughs) i don't know i won't do any. Any i won't watch anymore (laughs) (laughs) oh
0: my god The horror industry sometimes is, though, it's like six degrees of separation, you know, between Mm. (laughs) one person and the next. Because it's entertainment.
1: Us and Eli Roth. Yeah, Yeah.
0: because the entertainment industry at the end of the day is like, if you're if you're counting all the people who are like, have the money and are really successful, it's small. (laughs) So it's hard to get away from the people you don't like sometimes. Um, So... Let's see. So this week, I have a very short list, actually, for this week. Because um, I was, you know, I was just living my life. I was doing stuff. Mm. <laughs> I wasn't. Um, but uh, I did get to see the new film Psycho Gorman, which is so fantastic. Um, it completely took me by surprise. It, um, It's just, it's like everything I love about... <laughs> It's very nostalgic. It's it's like everything I love about 80s horror movies brought into the present day. Um, and it's just got amazing like animatronics and the costumes are just out of control. Amazing. Um, they put so much time and effort into these costumes, you can tell. And, and they had a pretty small budget. So everything else is like very low budget. But the costuming is like just insane and for people that are on screen for all of like <clears throat> for all of like 10 seconds for their costumes to be that intricate and creative and it's just stunning it's like it's just amazing and it's just a silly funny like story and um i highly recommend you all check it out and i'm sure i mean everyone it's kind of blowing up everywhere right now everyone's talking everyone's starting to talk about how much they love it and it's just going to be one of those movies it's like a cult classic mm-hmm. it's you can tell how much love was put into this movie like my friend and i who watched it virtually together um we texting each other during and we were like you could tell that um whoever made this movie just really wanted to make this movie <laughs>
1: <And> that's what <laughs> like, i love to see like i just want to know that you wanted to make this movie and that you had mm-hmm. fun with it uh, yeah. I have I haven't seen the movie yet, but I'm really looking forward to it.
0: It's so good. Um it's so good. <laughs> I I won't I won't say the the line. I was going to say a line from it, but I won't say it. Uh well, I'll wait. I'll save that until you watch the movie. Um cuz it's so silly. But when I I remember when I first saw the trailer, um I thought it was like a big budget Hollywood movie and I was really prepared to be like very underwhelmed and it's not the case at all. Um, and then just the second movie I watched, uh, horror wise was Pulse, which is the movie that we're talking about today. So it was a short, short list for me this week on what I watched, but, um, yeah. And with that said, I think we can kind of just jump in, uh, to our main event, which is talking about Pulse. Um, I do want to say that there's a big content warning on this, um, because Paul Steels with some very, uh, very graphic, you know, suicide and mental illness slash depression themes. So um, if that's something that, um, you know, that's something that we're going to discuss in the context of the film. So uh, just content warning out there for everyone. If that's not something you want to um, hear us talk about, then no hard feelings now's the time to hop off um, go watch The
1: Empty Man and please tell me what the end is because I don't know <laughs> maybe you're smarter yeah. than me Yeah, I'm hoping
0: yeah go watch The Empty Man and loop back with us and I'll come in with my expert opinion um, <laughs> Next on the next this, podcast this
1: episode will be as long as the movie is which is again 800 <laughs>
0: years long so correct. Time well-spent. Yes, indeed. Um, awesome. So let's just jump right in. Let's talk about Pulse. So um, Pulse came out, it was released in Japan um, around February 3rd, 2001. Um, and now you can watch it anywhere. Um, but at the time, I think it was a slightly limited release, but slowly gained um, popularity and has become a very like cult um classic phenomenon like everyone um most everyone in the horror movie horror movie industry and community loves this film it's very good it's one of those pillars that um of the uh industry that we talk about so um the movie itself Steph actually I'll let you introduce it if you want to talk introduce the film um and then we could just go into yeah our thoughts
1: So with uh, Impulse, it is coming, well, it's in 2001. And, you know, so what's going on in 2001? A lot of things. Um, But most importantly in this movie, it's the advent of, it's not the advent of the internet because the internet had already, you know, been invented a a little while ago, but it was becoming more, it's in people's homes now. And, you know mm-hmm. more consumers are using it um and it's becoming a lot more user-friendly you know these are the the aol days the dial-up days um yeah yeah and we get to hear some of those dial-up noises in the movie and it's
0: haunting <laughs> yeah i <laughs> love that's it that's the
1: true horror no i'm just kidding yeah um, that
0: dial-up sound
1: <laughs> uh but it's uh, basically revolves around two different stories that are later in the movie like intertwined um, but basically it's just about the this the internet, which is this new kind of like scary unknown is coming into our lives and it's coming into our lives very quickly and it's something that we don't really understand and it's also tapping into this literal like, ghostly realm Mm -hmm. and it's trapping us in our homes and it's making it it's something that's supposed to connect us like that's sort of the you know like the mission statement of the internet is to connect people from all over the world but ironically people are more lonely than they have ever been yeah in the movie that's what that's so like the anxiety that's being right. expressed in the movie that's
0: that's a key theme yeah yeah no that's great and and for a little bit of context like Steph said um, I mean the internet was relatively the internet as we know it which is mm-hmm. using it to look up information and talk to people um, was quote invented in 1983 that was one of the first um, in January 1st 1983 um, by Lots of lots of different people, right? Um, mm-hmm. But of course, the internet, in some capacity, has been a theory and has been around for over a hundred years. I think um, Nikola Tesla talked about the idea of it at one point back in 1900, um, which I didn't know actually until I started doing a little bit of research for this. Um, he had talked about the idea of having like a connected um, connected network with which to talk to people and do research. Um, so at the time, so 1983, right. This comes out, pulse comes out, um, of course is created in the late nineties, comes out in 2001. Um, so it's relatively new. And in, in the idea of, of connecting with people over the internet, whether it be like chat rooms or, you know, um, any kind of social space is an, is a relatively newer phenomena. So um, pulse makes a lot of comments about that. Um, but specifically, um, of course, um, I I'd say it's, it's themes are are obviously universal, but, um, of course it's a Japanese film. So there is a lot of interesting cultural context that goes along with that. And I will just say this as well, of course, obviously we are not from Japan. (laughs) So what we talk about here is when we, when we start talking about the ways in which Pulse might relate back to um, Japanese culture, this is all us having read articles and, and things from either um, people who understand the culture better than we do, or, um, have, you know, have something intelligent to say about it. So <laughs> um, we're just reacting the way that, you know, we as Stephanie and Ashley react. Um, and um, we'll talk about it as, as we relate to it but of course while trying to be as sensitive as possible to the fact that we are not Japanese mm-hmm. and we are not I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was about to we're say but yes yeah. we're not Japanese so um, bear that in mind if you did not know um, so yeah that was a great intro to it stuff I think thank but, yeah you. I worked very hard on you Yes. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. So the first thing, um, the first thing that you notice is the film, I mean, it, dive, it dives kind of head first into the heavy subject matter, right? So um, one of the first scenes is um, a character named Taguchi. He works at a plant shop with three three other of the kind of central characters in the film. Um, but it's clear that there's something wrong with him. They haven't seen him in a few days, right? Um, <clears throat> they haven't seen him in a few days. Um, and so one of the, um, the main character, Michi, she goes to his house to kind of do a wellness check and check in on him. Um, and what I thought was interesting about that is they kind of, they introduce the idea of feeling very disconnected in the modern world in a cool way. Um whether or not this was intentional, I don't know. But when they first show him, when she walks into the apartment and they first show him he's behind a um plastic sheet that kind of distorts his image a little bit. Um but he's talking to her and through this through this sheet. And I thought that was kind of an interesting way to introduce the concept of feeling disconnected.
1: Well and but before they start talking he's sitting completely still and when she she knocks on the door and no one answers and she comes in and she's calling for him and no one answers like now that i i i don't know if maybe at the time when i was younger and i first watched this i noticed this now that i've seen a lot of horror movies i know what to look for in the background but he's he's sitting in the background i I think it might be on his bed or on a chair um, behind this plastic sheet but he's just a shadow along with everything else that's behind it. Mm. And then at some point he gets up and it's it's like startling because he was just sitting there unresponsive, not moving. Like now it's not so startling anymore because like I've seen it a few times. I've seen the remake um, and I know what to look for in things now. Like I'm always looking in the background for these things, but I, I that was something that was really powerful to me mm-hmm. and Actually, that's one of the things that I think the remake actually did really well, and honestly, kind of even a little bit better in the remake. Where uh, Kristen oh. Bell goes to, I know, controversial, <laughs> but Kristen Bell goes to it's her boyfriend instead of coworker. His apartment, and it's like disgusting in there, and there's like bugs, and the food's all rotted and stuff. And she's like calling for him, and he's not answering. He's in a way less obvious spot, I think. Because I, I just I forgot where he was. So I was looking sort of in the same spot that Taguchi is in in the original pulse. He just stands up at some point on like the opposite side <laughs> of where Taguchi is.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And like I did not I genuinely did not see him before. And it it's so that just hits me super hard because he's just sitting there and he's unresponsive.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then, because he needs to go do something he gets up yeah and yeah it's just that that feels like so that got that depression vibe that i know yes (laughs) that i know very very well
0: Mm -hmm. Um, yeah no it's it's really unsettling and it's like we said it's introduced like immediately this like um not only just being disconnected from the world around you, but from the person who's like standing right there in front of you, trying to talk to you, like you can't even connect with them. And this film is such a powerful comment on, uh, on mental illness and and depression and loneliness and feeling disconnected that um, that's just done so well. And I really liked what you said about them kind of seeming like they're just like, you, you don't even see them until mm-hmm. they actually make the decision to move, you know? And
1: the, the second they stand up, you immediately ask yourself, why weren't they responding? Why weren't they moving? You know? And mm-hmm. it, it, in the original, too, um, he's he's more responsive than he is in the remake. In the remake, he's he's like in a trance. Mm. In the original, he, he it, it's trance-like he's responsive and he almost like a sort of like polite conversation a little bit. So he almost seems more normal, maybe like a little yeah. tired, but then something awful happens. And it's yes. it's very, very shocking.
0: It is very shocking because, um, and just like with, you know, a lot of, of cases when people talk about, you know, people who have died by suicide, they'll say things like, you know, they didn't see it coming or it was mm-hmm. um, very sudden or something like that. And in Taguchi's case, in Pulse, um, he is kind of talking normally. But I mean, you can tell that there's something wrong, of course, mm-hmm. um, because even though we don't know him as a character well yet, you can tell that he's like, it's not really him that's speaking or it's or he's just feeling he's like a million miles away right in his head um and then of course in the next few scenes um we see him he like creates a noose and then ends up dying by suicide so um and it's like that fast
1: yeah it's very fast
0: yeah he goes from being talking and to just to you know passing away and so it's it's like it's really shocking and one thing that i love about this movie is that um that's that's how all the scares are Mm -hmm. they're they're mostly like that they're like um you can just feel the dread of something yeah this movie is dread
1: personified yeah (laughs) it's yeah Like that's what I remembered most because there was a a big gap between when I first watched it Mm -hmm. and then watching it I think I watched it maybe a couple times since then but a fairly large gap between when I watched it then and then when I watched it a few days ago to refresh my memory um, it's still really like what I remember most was how much dread I felt at the time and i was also you know a lot younger but mm-hmm. it was just it's a movie that is so so heavy and it's it's really t- and i think maybe that's partly why i didn't rewatch it more because it's it's just it's heavy in a way that you can't really shake off very easily and there's like not a lot of release it's yeah yeah no
0: there's not yeah no you're you're absolutely right. There's not really a whole lot of release because even, and I wouldn't even say there's necessarily like a, a climax moment. I mean, there, there kind of is, but it all just seems like the message stays pretty steady throughout. And there, there is of course a a scene where, you know, a, a main character kind of turns a corner towards the end. But, um, It's all, it all just kind of, it's just dread the whole time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not really like there's a moment of like, okay, it's over. You know, it's like, that's, that never happens in Pulse.
1: Because it's never over. Yes. Like the, one of the big themes is it, it's fate. It's never over. It's always coming for you. Yeah. And so there, there's never going to be a release because nothing is ending. It's never ending.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one one thing that I wrote down here, I guess, that kind of puts this in a little bit more cultural, um, or I'm sorry, historical perspective, um, was an article I read in the University of Toronto Quarterly. Um, it was written about the 1990s in Japan. And I guess the 1990s were kind of considered according to this article um, were widely termed to be a lost decade in Japan. Um, So I guess economic recession was hitting them pretty hard at the time. Um, They had an aging society, which was causing a lot of stress on all kinds of things. Social systems were overburdened, crime, drug use and school dropout rates were uh, rising. And I guess when we say those rates were rising, I guess it's nowhere near as close as the, the rates in the Western countries, um, which is just interesting, but uh, people were anxious and worried. So uh, it kind of helps put that, put this movie in a little bit more context too. You have like an aging society. So you have, you know, a country that's got to deal with um, a lot of people relying on others for support, um, relying on their, to be support for them um, and death, you know, of course, with an aging population, you've got to deal with um, more death. And uh, like it says here, a lot of um, anxiety just around the state of the country at the time. Um, and I, reading that and just kind of thinking about where we're at now as a world, <laughs> yeah. I see a lot of similarities. <laughs> just in the way that um i i'm very interested to see you know cuz pulse is, was like like we said it made so many comments about so many different things that were happening at the time that i'm very interested to see like how like what comes out of this era you know and how it kind of relates and cuz pulse when when you're watching it in 2000 you know 21 and beyond <laughs> And you're remembering what the pandemic was like. It just feels very similar because it, I, I really connected with a lot of the, um, a lot of what they were discussing because mm-hmm. it's just been something that we've been immersed in for a year now. Yeah. So, and, that was a little uh, off topic from what we were talking about, but
1: well, uh, something that's tied to that, or like an aging population and things like that. Um, there's a term called kodokushi which is a big theme of this movie um Mm -hmm. which uh i think sort of roughly translates to lonely death and it's referring to a very disturbing trend of people dying alone and then remaining undiscovered for long periods of time and the most notable or a very widely publicized case happened in the 2000s where a uh A 69-year-old man died in his home and or apartment. And he wasn't discovered until three years later. Wow. Because his uh, monthly rent and utilities were being withdrawn automatically from his bank account. And then eventually, there was no more money in his bank account. So they were like, hey, what's going on? And he was almost completely gone. Wow. And that's that's a really... That's a really big thing in this movie is uh, they're talking more about, you know, the social isolation, but dying alone is a really big theme. And that, that's, right. an, that's an especially big anxiety of one of the main characters, uh, Haraway. She talks a lot about how we, we live this life alone, but when she was younger, she was always uh sort of comforted by the thought that we might rejoin our family and friends in death. But then she started to consider that maybe we don't. Maybe we're just as alone in death as we are in life. And I I have a quote here where she, this is what she says. um, Then in high school, it dawned on me. You might be all alone after death too. The idea was so terrifying. I couldn't even bear it. That nothing changes with death just right now, forever.
0: Is that what becoming a ghost is about? Mm-hmm. I know that was a heartbreaking scene. It's, yeah. So, I mean, you can see this film carries a lot um, with it. And like we said, from the very first scene where um, Michi goes to check in on her co-worker slash friend to Gucci, um, you get that sense like almost immediately. And then um, she returns to work maybe like the next day or something and and tells her coworkers all about it um and what i thought was was kind of interesting is that you know um actually i don't really know how much time is supposed to have passed when we see that group of coworkers next but um what stood out to me was how i think it was um junko one of her one michi's coworkers was saying that you know it's time to move on like it's time to do something else like you know it's it's
1: it, it's i don't think it's really supposed to be that long after it happens i
0: don't think so either i thought it was maybe like a couple days
1: yeah is, is I, I my read it, of it
0: um and it's kind of interesting because it's something that kawashima who was a character in a second storyline in the film, whose story is kind of running parallel to Michi's story. He deals with something similar, except this time it's kind of him trying to brush off um, the feelings of loneliness and um, thinking about death. He talks about wanting to feel immortal and he almost brushes off what Haraway is dealing with um, in her own mind when she talks about being terrified of being alone after she dies. He's like, don't even think about it. I want to be immortal. I, you know, I'm not, by the time we're that age, we're going to, you know, be living decades longer. Like it's all good. You know, don't worry about it. And I feel like that was the same reaction that, um, Junko had to Michi when she was struggling with, uh, Taguchi's death. You know, Mm. I don't know what you, I don't know if you, had any thoughts about
1: that uh, Junko's almost I read her as more just like a, a different kind of disconnected than Kawashima mm-hmm. he's more I think trying he, he's uh, trying to avoid death um, but in, in a way reacting to Haraway as comforting her saying no it's okay like don't uh, don't even think about it like we're young uh you don't know, maybe in five years they're going to, you know, like invent a pill or you know, come up with some way to make us live longer or make us live forever. Junko is more she feels more just disconnected than trying to wave it away like Kawashima does. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really feel like she's completely plugged in.
0: <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. true. That's more yeah, how I, I read her. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And you know, it's it's um for for anyone who has you know struggled with depression or um maybe you know had a loved one who struggled with depression, this is often like a common response um to people who are really you know going through it at the t- <laughs> like um you'll get that comment of like don't worry about it. like why are you worried like get out of your head. Like just stop what you're doing. Like go do this. Like just ignore it. Like go have fun, be happy, like blah, blah, blah. And like Stephanie said, it's just another kind of disconnection mm-hmm. from the human experience, I guess. Um, it's a way to kind of remove yourself from thinking about anything that might make you sad. Yeah. Um, so we've got like characters who are really introspective and in thinking about it. And then you have um, characters who are like at the other end of the spectrum who are just like completely trying to ignore what's what it is that's going on or not not think about death, basically trying to avoid yeah. even that thought. Yeah. So. So that's when you're, you're kind of introduced to. Um, you're introduced to that cast of characters at the plant shop. Um. And yeah, and that's and, the
1: and Kawashima and Haraway are uh, they both go to the same college? Kawashima is mm-hmm. a he's majoring in economics. He says, um, and then Haraway is a graduate student um, studying computer science. So she helps him because he he has the the introduction to Kawashima is really funny because he's like installing his internet. <laughs> And, uh, yeah and, like, yeah discs, like... and he's like reading the he has this giant like pamphlet like notebook like user manual and he's trying to find out what buttons to press and he's like <laughs> he's like oh like the uh one of the uh like dialogue boxes says like oh like have fun he's like i will have fun thank you
0: yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really funny i and love
1: it, i love that the And the noises that are coming out of this, like, old, old computer are just, like, amazing. It, They're it just, hilarious. It, it's a lot of nostalgia. But yeah, yeah he, he's very much, like, not... uh He doesn't know a lot about computers. They're very foreign to him. And that's wh- how he meets Haraway. Because he came across the, the infamous screen in Pulse. Which is when someone's turning on their computer... Uh, and it connects to the internet. There's just this black screen that comes up, and it says, mm-hmm. "Do you want to meet a ghost?" And he doesn't know what it's talking about, and he clicks on it, and then that, you know, basically kicks off the rest of the movie because mm-hmm. it's it's like, uh, this like voyeuristic like webcam on someone who, I don't know if they ever really. I, I know they call them ghosts. It's never really clear to me if these are actual ghosts, or if yeah just it's just people that he's watching yeah i i don't think it really matters and well that is something that Haraway talks about she she looks at all of these people and she's like are they are they even ghosts are they alive (laughs) are they dead it doesn't really matter because at this point we're basically the same because we're so alone and so isolated
0: yeah um and i i think yeah and i think that was intentionally left a little bit more ambiguous because yeah um because i yeah like the big point well okay from what from what i see you know i don't know of course for sure but um the big point i i got from that ambiguity was of course that it's um that we are kind of shells of people <laughs> as we exist right now. And, um, the internet could either help that or make it a lot worse. Right. Um, and so there's no real way to tell like, who's actually a shell of a person, you know, and, and as the movie mm-hmm. goes on, it gets like kind of harder to tell. And then, you know, uh, these beings are, are coming into the, um, quote, real world, more and more and so it's even harder and harder and so yeah to your point when um haraway says says that to him about like there's no way to tell and and who cares because we're kind of all the same i think that was Mm -hmm. um that was pretty that was a good that was a that was a good moment because it was um very revealing i think
1: yeah and Another thing with this, watching it 20 years after it came out, you know, Mm -hmm. we've come this far with the internet, is when you're first watching it, um, I mean, once you get past some of the nostalgia for all the old internet sounds and the way that (laughs) it looks, um, the whole thing, because it's a whole movie focused on anxiety around this new technology and disconnection from each other, it could seem a little alarmist, I think. And I think that's somewhat fair because we've uh, – the the fear was that we would be uh, even more disconnected from each other the more our technology advances and the more we're trying to connect it to each other, but we're doing it not face-to-face. Right. I think now in 2021, it's a very different situation because – you can make actual friendships online, you know, like, yeah, (laughs) you can talk to people on Skype, on Facebook video. Um, So there is a potential for face-to-face interaction. It's just on a screen instead of in person. And while the like psychological effects of just talking to someone on a screen, talking to someone in person are different. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not as bad as I think we thought it would be yeah um however it's still a really big problem because not everyone is going to be interacting with people that way not everyone is getting on skype calls they're just talking you know over text and that's it's a really big problem everywhere um but there's a specific word for it in japan and uh it's hikikomori and it's basically just a person who completely withdraws is it's a hermit but uh, Mm -hmm. it's more coming out of like technology is like keeping people at home and isolating people more than ever and right because of various um external and internal factors because you know this is often you know happening alongside existing mental illness like if you're you already have depression that you're probably more likely to be hit with this kind of thing
0: you could be exacerbated um, yeah it, mm-hmm.
1: exa- yeah and if you have social anxiety that's probably you're more likely to fall into this you know this trap of never leaving your home right um so there is that but it it the movie is asking us to say how much of it is the, how much of it is our creation's fault? And, you know, have we gone too far? And are right. we the ones killing ourselves? Are, are we the ones who are spelling out our own doom? Right. Um. And, like, again, that seems a little outdated now. But it's still very, very true. Because this is still yeah. a big problem.
0: The perils of you know, it was just interesting to see this new tool in the eyes of someone at the time, right? Like this very powerful new tool that we had at our disposal as human beings um, was of course scary. And there's a lot of unknowns and there's still a lot of unknowns with the internet and human interaction and what it does to our psyche and things like that. Um, But of course, the way that we interact with it has evolved so much over the last Twenty years, and um, it's been for a lot of people. Uh, um, Save, I mean, for a lot of people, it's helped their mental health, especially through the um, the quarantine phases of the last yeah. year, right? Yeah. Because it it actually has opened up a lot of channels for connection, and of course, like Stephanie said, we know now that the internet isn't necessarily the end of days for for human connection. There's no real no way to replace face-to-face interaction of course um but we can simulate it as close as we can get on online and i know that's helped people quite a bit over the last year but it's just really interesting because um a lot of the points in this film still ring true you know it's it can be damaging yeah i'm sorry go ahead
1: oh it's just it yeah like you're saying it can be damaging and it is damaging
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because i mean just like with anything there are Upsides and then there are very real downsides. This movie is obviously about the very real downsides. Mm-hmm. Um coupled with just extreme anxiety because it was so new at the time. Right. right. A lot of movies now that are um about, you know, sort of like a, a newer subgenre of internet horror, like something like yeah. Unfriended or things like that. Um well, okay, that's not a very good example because I actually like <laughs> unfriended. Um unfriended to (laughs) the dark web, which isn't very good. Um, It feels like it's being made by by an older generation, meaning not people, like not millennials, basically, which is the generation we're in. Because they have a very different relationship with it. It it wasn't growing up with it. It was, it just happened in their life. Um, And granted, that is sort of true here but no one had grown up with it at this point (laughs) it was extremely new so it was tackling this new scary unknown monster from the get-go
0: yeah and and i totally agree and i think um i was trying to nail down why is it that pulse because like you said it's a movie about um well it's it's about a lot of things but it's about you know how this new tool of human communication is actually making us or might make us feel more disconnected and um here's how that might play out um and i was thinking about why it does it in a way that's really really good <laughs> for lack of a better word because it can it can seem very cynical it it it's a topic that can seem very like um I'm afraid of change or, you know, I'm being cynical about this new thing. And that movie really pulse does not feel like that at all. It just feels instead like a very empathetic look at how um, the, you know, us as complex human beings deal with, you know, the stress of the, the modern world and how this new tool might help or hurt us um and who's to say what's going to happen right because at the time like you said it's so it's was very new um it was a very new medium with which to communicate so um that's why i think (laughs) that's the that's the reason i mean that's there's a lot of reasons why this movie is really well done but i think that's one of the main ones and it's one reason why some of the films that come out um that don't do it well. I think it's because it seems very like cynical. Like they're almost mocking people. Yeah,
1: it, it's like making fun of. Well, a lot of the time it's making fun of young people because it's about young people yeah. using the internet. Um, and, and it's a like, lot of well, times,
0: young teenage girls usually <laughs> well,
1: always young teenage girls like they're so obsessed with their phones, can't look up from their phones. They don't know. Yeah. Else. Have you ever heard of writing a letter? And it's like. Yes, we've all heard of writing. Right?
0: Oh my and gosh! Clear. Yeah, <laughs> the the comments in horror movies from like the old like they'll have an older actor in there or something, and they'll say something like that, like you know, back
1: in my day, yeah, we
0: you had looked up from your phone, maybe you would have seen what was right in front of you. All exactly. All. That's not <laughs> that's not pulse at all. Like no, it's it's like well,
1: this there's this new thing. God, we're so scared that this might happen. What if instead of trying, uh, instead of actually helping people, which was the original intent of the internet, we actually end up spelling our own doom? Yep, that that's a very legitimate anxiety, and it's something that kind of came true in a lot of ways, because this is still an issue. Like, uh, like I said, the uh, hikikomori, which is a term to refer to both a like quote condition and also the people who suffer from it. Um, I mean, this was a term coined just in 1998 um, by a psychologist, Tamaki Sato, in his book, Social Withdrawal, Adolescence Without End. Um, And this is something that crosses culture, because it was thought to be sort of more culture bound, but it it's not. They have found it to be true in lots of other countries. There was a 2015 study uh, where they looked into uh, Hikikomori as a concept in Japan, the US, South Korea, and India, and found it present in all four cultures. And these are, you know, pretty different places mm-hmm. with different values, different, a lot, lots of things that are different. But it's this universality of this horror Right. that is still very timeless, even though things haven't turned out quite the way that they're predicted to have turned out in Pulse, but there's also lots of things that have turned out that way. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, Ashley and I grew up with the internet, so I have a very complicated relationship with the internet. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> it has to hope- be... Enriched my life, and it is also, in in some ways, has made my life kind of hell
0: <laughs> to this yeah, day. Both you know? both are true, yeah. And it should also be noted that um, we lived with dial up internet for <laughs> until I for was quite 17. a while <laughs> Yeah, for yeah. for quite a long time. Um, I would I want to say, well, I was already off at college, but um, I want to say our our parents didn't get. Um, anything close to high-speed internet they were still on dial-up until what 2008
1: yeah it was when i was around 16 to 17 yeah it was, it was like right when i started getting into like online like talking to people online right and when it was yeah. still like pretty taboo like oh uh, you know strangers on the internet yeah um, <laughs> and it was like i was doing it in secret and i'm like i can't tell anyone that i'm right like friends online <laughs> It was Um, still
0: super, yeah, everyone thought it was strange, and yeah.
1: But that was when we still had dial-up internet, so it would take a really long time to (laughs) talk to people, and I really wanted to watch YouTube videos, and I couldn't watch them. (laughs) It would take, like,
0: four hours
1: to download a two-minute video.
0: YouTube was just a no-go. I trying to watch, trying to, yeah, trying to do anything on our computers was just, like, you would click a button and then go, like, make a sandwich. Do you know how
1: hard it is to try to design and code your MySpace page on dial up <laughs> internet? Because I do.
0: <laughs> Listen, I know real pain. I know. <laughs> Trying to design. No, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, because I lived it as well. But I didn't have a MySpace page, I think until literally until I went to college, because I had to have one. Because I was on a roommate, match service through the college that I went to and you had to like have a social media page to link people to. You didn't have to, but everyone was and I didn't want to be the uncool kid. So I like quickly made a MySpace page and like three pictures on I'm totally a real person. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you want to live with me? Hi, I'm real. That's the first You know was- someone's real if that's <laughs>
1: But on their MySpace page, it first says, hi, I'm real.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know it's legit. I literally maxed out at like 30 friends, I think, on MySpace. I never went above about 30.
1: I don't remember.
0: I wasn't on it for very long. Um, but I was on it long enough to customize my homepage. Anyways, um, <laughs> Pulse. Back <laughs> to <Not> just- so- <laughs> Pulse. <laughs> So no one I mean,
1: could have predicted MySpace.
0: Yeah, no one. Um, so that so that's how they introduce us right to the the theme. Like you get the two different storylines, you meet the main characters, and then they kind of take you down this path, um, and you start to see how how this like phenomenon of ghosts or whatever you want to call them coming using the internet to kind of come into our world or maybe bring us into their world. It's not really clear. Um, so, I mean, one of the scariest scenes, I think in the film is when you kind of get that first really good look at what these entities uh, look like and how, I don't know. It, it, it's just that moment where you kind of see them really clearly for the first time. And it's when um, Yabe who, is um, Michi's co-worker. Um, he goes to Teguchi's apartment and um, he ends up finding some information on a forbidden room that he is intrigued by. So he goes um, to the location of this forbidden room, which you kind of come to find out over the course of the film is um, what they call these areas where ghosts have appeared or, or what have you. They're usually taped off Um, They're all
1: they're all taped off uh, with red tape, like red tape, like sealing everything like around the door and the windows black, blacking them out with this red tape. Yeah, they're all called forbidden rooms because it's keeping in a ghost.
0: Which I'll talk about why I think that's really interesting in just a second. But uh, so there's this woman standing on the other side of the room and she's kind of in shadow and she starts to move towards him in very slow motion. And, um, at some point she seems to fall on her way to the other side of the room, um, to confront Yabe. And, um, it's just an incredibly creepy sequence of events because it's very slow. And, um, you really get a good look at this at this ghost, and it's absolutely terrifying. I remember seeing that scene for the first time um, when I wa- when I first watched Pulse years ago, and just being like terrified of of that. Like the movement in it is amazing. The atmosphere is incredibly creepy. The music that is tied to these ghosts is like unreal creepy. Like I loved the sound that they used the sound
1: and pulse is amazing and it is a perfectly underscores every single situation. There's like a haunting, like voice singing. And then there's also like discordant strings kind of happening. It's yeah. very, very creepy. And the thing with that lady too, she's my favorite lady. Um, and by that, I mean my nightmare. <laughs> uh, she's, What's really creepy is you can tell that she's moving slow motion when they first show her, but it becomes really apparent like this contrast when they take uh, they have a shot f- of her from behind, and you can see Yabe and he's moving at a normal speed and then she's moving like kind of almost like like this exaggerated slow movement, and it's mm-hmm. just like it it's so creepy and it's done so so well, yeah and that's all she's doing is she's just walking towards him but she she kind of it reminds me of um uh when we first see taguchi because she's hiding in shadow she comes out of nowhere but it's also like maybe she was there the whole time yeah it's it's unclear and it it's it speaks to this incredible sense in, throughout the entire movie of people just being like these objects until they move, and then it's like I didn't, I didn't even know that you were mm-hmm. there. That, and it's like these yeah. forgotten people.
0: Yep. Like, it was she adds- there the whole time? I don't know. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It just adds to that sense of like disconnection, and um, even the ghosts in this movie just want. To me, it's like they seem like they just want connection so bad that they. <laughs> They're just walking towards, you know, the living and trying to like connect with them. And, you know, the the final scene, the final moment in that scene is like her literally staring, like you can just see her eyes, and she's staring directly into Yahweh's eyes. And to me, that's like a moment of connection, right? Where he just like feels everything that she's feeling. And um it kind of awakens in him like his own sense of loneliness and you know
1: and the thing that she is feeling, though, is emptiness. Yeah, like she—it basically she's kind of devoid of feeling, and that infects when when someone comes across a ghost and pulse, um, they kind of become infected by loneliness. It's like a like a disease, yeah. and they they just become very very listless and almost like catatonic until they eventually just wither away, which is something that happens. Yeah to uh, uh, Junko. She yes. gets infected. She, it's when you just encounter one, um, they just like t- completely drain you of your life force. And then yeah. you eventually just die. You eventually yeah. just disintegrate, literally disintegrate.
0: Yes. Yep. And you know what I thought was interesting? Um, I believe this was at um, Junko's apartment. She... There's a scene where um she's watching TV. Do do her and Michi live together in the film? I was having no, trouble. You're, you're talking I about me? Michi. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Michi's in her apartment and she um there's something there's a news report. There's like the news is on TV, and they're talking about this young boy who sent a letter out to sea in a bottle. Like years ago. And it finally reached someone, but it reached someone in like a foreign land. And um, so they're now interviewing like these two people, right? Because it's been out at sea for like decades or something like that. And um, I can't remember what the exact quote is, but um, it's something about how the young, the the person who was a young boy, when he sent the letter, he's like, I'm just so happy that someone finally um got it or like read it basically mm-hmm. and i thought that was such a good um once again just another little you know easter egg and introduction to the the theme of the film which is someone looking for connection with another person but of course in that case it's um it was a message in a bottle right i just thought that was really i thought that was an interesting little scene and like kind of a background moment um but i saw it and i was like oh that's good. I like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then um, it gets very spooky, scary because the TV glitches and it freezes on it, like cuts yeah. off the top uh, part of the news, th- the um, the anchor man's head, and all you can see is like the bottom part of his nose and his mouth. You just can't see the top of his head. Yeah. Um, which I think. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it could be something to say about losing connection. Because um, the eyes <laughs> are the windows. Yeah. You know?
0: and, and, I don't think like, that's reading too much into it. I think that's probably spot on.
1: Taking away this really crucial part of how we communicate with each other is through through our eyes and, you know, through the entire face, like facial expressions. But I just thought that was interesting that they cut them off at yeah. the eyes
0: no that's actually that's a really good observation and it's like um because typically the the ghosts like they'll have either you know um their head will be down and you can't see their eyes or they're in shadow or you know what I mean it's it's harder to connect them by looking at them so that makes sense yeah that makes perfect sense um yeah so I mean I thought that scene in there was was terrifying and I wanted to know what you thought about this stuff Um, so as far as the forbidden rooms go, um, like we said, the forbidden rooms are, are like where the ghosts, where people have encountered these ghosts. So they, um, they'll seal them off and typically it's with red tape. Um, do you think that has something to do? Is that like a comment from, in your opinion, is that a comment on, like shutting people away and not talking about it or maybe avoiding a difficult conversation or a difficult, you know, or someone going through something really scary. Yeah. I think,
1: well, because it's, they're not shutting a person. I mean, they're, they're shutting away almost like fate. Yeah. Because we're all going to die. And if in this universe, we're going to die and become one of these things Mm -hmm. that's like, that's our future and we're shutting it out. And then when you open the door to your fate, you become infected by it and you become part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that would be fair to say. I mean, shutting the door, that's always, you know, some sort of symbol of repression Yeah. or um, denying something, you know, living in a state of denial, not wanting to talk about something, mm-hmm. not wanting to confront it. And that's especially apparent in the one of the last scenes in this warehouse where um, Kawashima, who throughout the entire movie is avoiding and denying that these things are going to happen. He even says, if I see a ghost, I like I'm not going to believe that it's there. Like, I still won't think
0: yeah. it's real. Right. Yeah.
1: He comes across a ghost and he is going through his thing. He's telling it he that it's not real. He's not going to confront it. He's not even going to look at it. And he he ends up confronting it in order uh, to make himself feel better. Like, oh, it's not real. My hand's just going to go right through it because it's just like mist or something. But he actually, when he goes to grab this, you know, this ghost, it he actually grabs the person's shoulders. And it yeah. is very real. And he suddenly has to deal with the fact that these things are real. Yeah. And he's that was a big a moment. Yeah, that, that's yeah. a really big moment for his character. He he is yeah. suddenly not immune to any of this.
0: Right, and that was that turning point that I was talking about earlier with one of the main characters. Like, I think that's his big turning point. Is like you said, when he turns around and he's like, "You're not real," and then he tries to like swoosh it away with his hands, that he ends up like grabbing onto its actual shoulders, and he's like, "Oh my god, this is like a real thing." Yeah. um and that's that moment where um it all kind of turns around for him
1: yeah and so i i think it the the rooms being taped off yeah it is you know a statement on denying something the inevitability of death and trying to shut it away and so and they not only do they seal off the doors so it they can't leave the room, yeah. they also seal off the windows so you can't even look at it. Right. It's like, I'm not, I'm going to turn a blind eye to this. Right. Like, exactly. Don't open it. <laughs>
0: don't yeah. open
1: this door or else yeah. you will be infected by it.
0: And, and again, it's like the, the nonchalance, not the nonchalance, but almost like the removed nature with which some of the um, like, not like supporting characters act around it is always really interesting. Like I remember the construction worker, there was a, there was a scene where a construction worker walks up to his coworker and he said, Hey, like, do you have some tape? And he was like, yeah. Like do you, what kind? And he's like, oh, just whatever, whatever you have is fine. And so he hands him red tape mm. and he takes it and he walks over and the next scene is just him taping up a door And then, so you realize, okay, I think this man just saw a ghost. And it's just kind of nonchalantly taping up a door. He's like, hey, you got some tape? Yeah, it's just so nonchalant, right? Um, The way that he says it. And um, he doesn't seem scared. He doesn't seem anything. But um, then they do show him watching as, like, the whole building gets torn down. And he's just kind of, like, standing there like a statue um it's like oh shit like watching this room (laughs) get torn down Yeah, yeah and so i i think that yeah it's there's just disconnection as a theme is conveyed in so many different ways throughout the whole film and the characters that are actually surviving um this basically what turns into kind of like an apocalypse um because at the, towards the end of the film, you're seeing that the streets are empty and there's, there's some smoke and all that kind of stuff. Um, the characters that are surviving, um, the film are connecting with each other some way, right? Like, um, I think at one point, uh, let's see the note here. Um, Har- Haraway and, uh, Kawashima are on the subway and, um, he makes he says something to her that's very sweet uh they're on the subway and and she asks where is everyone and he says i'm here like and he tells her like even if no one else is here like i'm here like i'm not gonna he basically says he's not gonna leave her alone right is what the message that he's trying to convey so um there's that moment of connection between the two of them and then um towards the end of the film he's with um he's with michi and they're in the car and she like lays her head on his shoulders right and so the characters that are making it through this are the ones that still have some kind of however small like shred of connection with another person Um, and that i thought was interesting
1: Mm -hmm. and and unfortunately haraway ends up being one of the people who Dies. Um she's, I mean, again, she's a computer science student, so she's on the computer. She's on the internet. And so she's being bombarded with all of these images that everyone else is. So she's trapped in this fateful prison of loneliness. That's one thing that Kawashima has going for him, is that he doesn't understand the internet. He doesn't really like it. (laughs) So he doesn't really use it. So he's safer than a lot of people in. Tokyo, because he's he's one of like it. What's implied to be one of the few people who's not really using it, because everyone ends up, you know, being dying, being Mm -hmm. part of this like, for lack of a better term, pandemic. Um, And Michi is also one of those people. I don't know if she has really the same kind of aversion to it, but she doesn't. We never really see her on a computer. We don't really see her interacting with any kind of technology like that. So they're the ones who make it to the end of the movie, you know?
0: Yeah, actually, that's a good point about uh, Michi, too. I, I guess you don't really ever see her, like... Yeah. Her her relationship with technology never really is, like, the main focus of her story. She's she's yeah, kind of trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. The,
1: the two people who have the strongest relationship with computers and the internet, which is Taguchi and Haraway... I mean they one dies in the beginning, the other dies at the end of the movie, but they're both like very intense and dramatic deaths. And it's because they're like incredibly infected almost.
0: You know? Yeah. It's Absolutely. it's really
1: it's really sad.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um going back to I mean, one of the most powerful images, I think, of the movie is just this, like, st- um, almost like stain that people leave on their walls, right? It's like this ghostly, um, very sad outline of, of a person, of what used to be a person, just mm-hmm. kind of like, fading, literally fading into the backdrop. Um, and I think one of the most heartbreaking scenes in the, in the movie for me was when um, Michi finds Yabe's uh, like shadow, I don't know what you want to call it, his shadow stain on the wall. And it's just whispering, like, help me, help me, which is something Mm -hmm. that these ghosts, um, they'll say, you know, a lot of, because they're, they're kind of looking for someone to either come help them or they're looking for connection or whatever it is. And it's just so sad. It's like the saddest part when she discovers Yahweh's um, stain. And it's just him whispering this phrase, help me over and over again.
1: I almost get the sense too, because because we never see any of the characters in the movie um, that end up dying. We never end up seeing them as ghosts, only as black stains. And they're saying help over and over when, when the camera is like close to the stain. It's kind of like they're still alive and they're still asking for help. Right. But there's nothing anyone can do because they're already gone. To me, it was almost implied like they're not actually dead. Right. They're still alive in some way. And they're not even, they're not a ghost. They're just stuck here forever where they died. Right. Which I guess could be sort of a ghost, but... Just the fact that we never see them as a ghost, we only ever see them as black stains.
0: Um Yeah. And it's or, just so oh, in
1: Jimko's case, she sort of like disintegrates, but more like shatters into yeah. like this like ash in Michi's apartment um after she's infected. But for the most part, people just sort of fade into the wall. Like that's how that's what happens with Yabe. He just fades into the wall. Yeah. and it's That's what depression feels like. Yes. (laughs) You feel like you're becoming part of the furniture. Like you're just becoming part of, you know, like you're no longer yourself. You're just part of the decoration of the world, you know? And, but you'll leave behind this stain. That's like reminding people of
0: like, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, you feel i mean for anyone who's dealt with depression you know when you're um when you're moving through it you f- feel very much like um you're there but you're not really there um and these stains on the walls that people leave in pulse like that's what it kind of reminds me of right it's like they walk into the room, like the character will walk into the room and they'll like see the person there for a second. And then either they, you know, do a double take or they turn on the light or whatever it is. And then it's just a stain. Um, and that's a really powerful statement on mental health, I think. And even more powerful with the addition of these, like these whispers, because that's kind of almost what it feels like when you're, when you're the one who's you know having a really difficult time with your mental health, um, y- you don't really feel like, I'm just speaking from personal experience, but you don't really feel like you can advocate. you have a hard time asking for what you need because you can't even get mm-hmm. your own thoughts straight. So it does sometimes feel like you're whispering into the void, right? Like you're saying, "Help me." Um, but no one can hear you,
1: <laughs> but no one can hear you. It's like after someone leaves a room and then you can just hear yourself saying, help me and Yeah, you really, really need help. And it's not the fault necessarily the fault of other people that they're not listening, but it's because you're whispering it and because you're almost already gone. So yeah. it's like, what is, what, what is there yes. left to help in, in their literal cases? What is there left to help? Like they can't do for them anymore. They're already gone, but they're still there.
0: Absolutely. Um, And of course, and you know, we should probably put some um, resources in our uh, description for this podcast, but we're talking about some heavy stuff. And of course, if you're feeling this way, you know, there are, um, There are places you can call that can help you through some of these heavy feelings. So we'll we'll be sure to put some things in there. We're just speaking from our own personal experience. We know what it's like to kind of be in that heavy dark space, and this is this is what it feels like. It does feel like that. Um,
1: That was go ahead, Steph.
0: Even like because I I definitely I didn't I don't
1: think it even came to the United States in two thousand one. I think Mm -hmm. it got here a little later. So by the time I watched it, I mean I was still like a younger teenager I think Mm -hmm. um maybe like middle of my teenage years and I mean I was extremely depressed that was a time when I was really getting into uh Japanese horror and even though at the time I didn't have you know a very an incredibly nuanced understanding of the culture I didn't know a lot of things like I know more now but I I knew less a lot less then. It still, Pulse hit me in such a real way, and it still hits me in that way because I still have depression, um, but especially at the time that it, because I didn't really know what I was dealing with, it felt so suffocating. Right. And that, that you know, very quiet plead for help felt like this is my life.
0: It resonates, yeah. <laughs> at the yeah. time.
1: Mm-hmm. That movie hit me like no other horror movie hit me, and it was a yeah. lot to deal with um, as a younger kid. Yeah, and, and even now, you know, I'm I'm almost thirty, and it, it still hits me in that way. Um, I am in a much better place now. You know, things are <laughs> definitely mm-hmm. better, but you know, I still have I still grapple with that, and it's still really like those, those black stains on the wall still hit me
0: so hard. Right. There's a scene where, you know, Michi's walking, just kind of, you know, going off of what we're talking about. There's a scene where Michi's walking home and you can see behind her, there's a tower and um, you can see someone move on top of the tower. And like Stephanie has been talking about, that's kind of been, that's the theme of this movie is like you, you know, You don't see people and all of a sudden you see them and you can see this person blurred in the background, move on this tower. And then um, when Michi turns around to look, you can see that uh, this person jumps from the tower and ends up dying by suicide. Um, And they show the entire drop,
1: Mm -hmm. the whole
0: thing. And it's pretty graphic. Um, And that person too leaves a stain on the Um, on the pavement and it's whispering the same thing, right. Help me Um, just these barrel. I wrote down here, like barely audible cries for help. And, um, Oh, it's just so heartbreaking. And it's, but it's for a movie, that's all about, you know, um, dealing with really, really heavy subject matter and um, feelings of disconnection between people. um, This film, you know, I feel like more connected to <laughs> as a person who has, has gone through depression and all kinds of, you know, all kinds of other things. Um, you do feel quite a bit more connected to people. Um, I felt more connected to other people after having watched this, just because you, you know, that this is a human, this is a part of the human experience and it's heavy and it's sad and it's, but you're not alone in it. You know, like this is something that's a very like global Mm-hmm. This is a global thing, and um that's one reason i I just love this this movie
1: yeah it's it's putting i mean like all great horror movies do it's putting our anxieties on screen and it it's worrying about it like it's not really there are some platitudes that come out of it, but a lot of it it's like I'm just worried, I'm worried that this is going to happen, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like yeah. <laughs> We're worried too, uh, who mm-hmm. knows, like this is at the forefront of this very new and enormous technology. Right. And I mean, 20 years later, we have a much better idea of what, you know, what the future looks like just based on the things that have happened over the, right. You know, in, in the past. Um, and it's not nearly as unknown now, but at the time, I mean, It's hard to remember because I was a kid at the time in 2001. I was 10. Um, And I don't even know when we first got the internet. (laughs) Sometime (laughs) around that.
0: Yeah, Uh, we were late. We were late bloomers with the internet. (laughs) I think it was like around
1: that age, but yeah. Uh, But even at the time, it... I know that it was just this. It to me, it felt very like it didn't seem like this big scary thing because again, I was a kid. I was just like, "Ooh, yeah. the internet, what's that?" um So I can only imagine what it felt like as an adult. You know, having lived your life, and all of a sudden, there's this huge thing that promises connection and it promises
0: very true you know,
1: this whole new world of information and to worry. Maybe this won't connect us at all. Maybe this will disconnect us even more than we already feel and especially i think in japan i mean everywhere but in japan at the time like ashley saying at the beginning of the podcast the the 90s being this like lost decade and i've seen some instances they say like the lost the decades. yeah <laughs> or the two thousands yeah it's breathe full circle <laughs> um but where they were coming out of this uh, big stock market crash and, you know, like a lot, just things were not going very well. A lot of
0: changes. Yeah. A lot of Mm -hmm.
1: changes. And there was giant spikes in suicides. There was a, a giant spike in just overall declining mental health. A lot more people were, you know, either leaving their jobs or they lost their jobs and they became recluses. they, became hikikomori you know they yeah they developed it which is understandable um this was just a very tumultuous time in japan and also the world in the beginning you know fresh on a new decade especially in the new millennium i mean we just came off y2k Mm -hmm. that as far as i know was a fairly global concern yeah
0: yeah the new millennium
1: I never really did all that much research into Y2K because, again, I was 10. Or no, I was technically 9. <laughs> you were, you at were the 9 time. and
0: didn't have the internet.
1: <laughs> I was 9, didn't have the internet, didn't know what Y2K meant. And I was like, I don't care. Computers? What's that? Um, so I actually did some research on Y2K. And it's actually very interesting. Um, and it's a kind of thing where some not great things happen, but... Mm-hmm. Oh, for the most part, it was fairly overhyped, especially by the media.
0: But oh, yes. <laughs>
1: regardless of whether or not it was you know, going to be this detrimental thing like a lot of people thought it was going to be. It's, it was this huge anxiety, mm-hmm. especially since they actually kind of had an idea that Y2K was going to be a potential issue in like the 80s. And even sometimes, like, some people predicted an issue even before that in, like, the 70s and 60s. Right, right. But they didn't start doing anything about it until, like, 1997. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, and this that's is what like, I call procrastination. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's on brand for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, absolutely. It was a huge anxiety the world over.
1: Well, and then in 2001, it's like, okay, Y2K didn't really happen. You know, like a couple couple things happened, but the world did not end. The
0: right, computers
1: right. did not crash. Things weren't lost forever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that that's so stressful. And then on top of that, there's this new thing called the internet. Right. And uh, what's going to happen with this thing? Because we don't know. So... lots of um different anxieties compounding on each other and in in addition to that there from what i've read you know some (sighs) at the time there were just shifts in the the reason why um kodokushi which again is lonely death Mm -hmm. is such a concerning trend among the elderly is because there's sort of from what I've read, we're moving out of the tradition of multi-generational homes and mm. more people living on their own. So there's yeah. more of a fear and a reality of older people, for one, not getting out very much because, you know, they can't for whatever reason. Yeah.
0: They and no one's, going,
1: no one's going to check barrier. on them. Yeah, right. exactly. It, it, people are not checking on them because they're not in the next room. And so they this ends up being a really big issue. That's still an issue now because they're living alone. And what if they die? You know, like what a haunting and um, terrifying thing to think about. If I die, will anyone find me? You know?
0: Right. Yeah. No, that's a really good point.
1: If, if, and that's a really big question. Pulse is if I die, (laughs) what am I going to leave behind? Will it, will anyone even know? And that's yeah. also something that comes with those black stains, it's, you know, well, anyone know that this was a person, it kind of just looks like a smudge, but I was, a, but I was real and yeah. I was alive and it's hard to tell because of what I've left behind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, like we said, for, for a country who at the time um, was dealing with a population that was aging, um, that was, you know, there was quite a few, um, senior citizens in Japan um, in that decade. And so it was like, that was a huge issue. That was something that, you know, like, to your point, people were living by themselves. Maybe they had a physical barrier. So they could, um, they struggled to leave the house even and it was just like, a compounding issue. um, That on top of, all of the big changes going on in the world and, you know, the turn of the millennium and the internet, like, I can't imagine, like, well, I can, I (laughs) I can't imagine. imagine. (laughs) We lived it, but we were all. We lived a pretty tumultuous year. Yeah. So I I can't imagine that. I I can imagine that level of anxiety because we've, we've been dealing with um, anxiety heightened anxiety as a, as a species now for quite some time. So I, that's just bringing it back. That's one reason watching this movie now feels very timely. Yeah, it does. It feels incredibly yeah. timely.
1: Yeah. And also, I mean, it's, I think, very, like, even more timely because it's this disease. Or, you know, it's not, it's it's not so much a disease in the traditional sense, it's a disease in that it's this apathy and depression Infecting people and that mm-hmm. causes them to just completely disintegrate. But it's this thing that does spread to other people and it isolates them. And I mean, what is what is COVID doing? We have to isolate. It's not isolating us. We have to isolate in order to not spread right. it to other people. Right. But it's still this same feelings of loneliness.
0: Right. Of, yeah. Yeah, and and on the, and, you know, I was reading some articles talking about um, how Pulse deals with the loneliness of being around so many people and having so many different options for connection, but it just doesn't, you're not getting it, you know, like, almost mm-hmm. the loneliness that comes with overcrowding is what they were saying, um, mm-hmm. was another big theme. Um, And yeah, I thought that was pretty it was interesting because I mean, that's a, that's a thing with the internet, right? Like there, there can be that sense of if you spend a lot of time um, online, you can feel you can even feel a loneliness after that. I mean, even though you spend your time connecting with other people, or, you know, um, you know, reading what people have written, uh, there can be so much stimulation and so much going on if you don't check yourself. (laughs) Uh You can start going down a a hole and leave it feeling more depleted than when you went in. Right. So, um, and I think that with pulse, it's just so funny because pulse came out, of course, like we said, like towards, you know, when the internet and the social interaction tied to the internet was relatively young, that they predicted a lot of, of Uh what it might do. You know, they actually were pretty spot on with some things. So Um, but yeah, it's just an incredible movie. Um, Steph, is there anything else you wanted to make a You wanted to say about it before we kind of wrap up our, our episode?
1: (laughs) Uh, if you watch the American remake, you might think that 2006 was blue. It was blue. Yes.
0: That took me a second, and then when I got it, I really got it. Oh my nice, gosh!
1: Nice little reference for those of us who have suffered through the 2006 Pulse.
0: <laughs> like with the blue with, filter on that camera was something else. The
1: 2000s were just apparently blue, but especially that movie. <laughs> it's yes. the way, like you can show that it's nighttime without making. Kristen Bell's face, literally like a green blue. Like, like that's possible, guys.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you knew. <laughs> it can what's just be the name? Dark. Oh, what's the name of the violet? Like Violet from Willy Wonka. If that's what Kristen Bell yeah. was.
1: It, 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 but with like a a very um, lovely looking green tinge onto Violet. Yeah, when she became a blueberry, it, right? It's very pleasant on the eyes and also just like i don't know maybe 2006 was blue it was a rough time
0: i promise you it wasn't i i went (laughs) i went i saw that one in theaters um in high school wait 2006 no i was just out of high school um so i saw that one in theaters and even then i remember thinking this is very blue (laughs) but that that was kind of even for like to your point, a decade that was all about heavy filters on horror movies with very color. heavy,
1: very contrasted. Like everything yes. was very contrasted, and yes. especially if they paired it with like heavy use of like a color filter, like they did on yeah. the American Pulse. It's like this is not working out well for you guys. Yeah. Like they, these people don't look human. They <laughs>
0: right. They look and like don't aliens. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love a good vibrant color like in movies i love it like mandy brilliant
1: a brilliant use of color
0: vibrant <laughs> colors
1: and i put a like i literally a painted really, like a the lens blue, blue, blue tissue
0: paper yeah over the lens yeah, i right. like
1: here's kristen bell who does right. not deserve this treatment okay
0: she doesn't <laughs> that's so funny i forget that that's her um yes it's definitely uh it was a time but yeah no pulse i think is an excellent introduction to this series um the lost 2000s because it's just kind of like the quintessential it sort of encapsulates all the anxieties and the you know the worries that were happening around that time and um really speaks to speaks to all of it on a really global scale. So I'm excited to keep going with this series because we're going to dive into journal Stephanie what are we <laughs> into next.
1: We're going to do my personal favorite final destination.
0: Yes. So that's going to be in two, weeks. <laughs> in two weeks. Yeah. So we decided to double up on it this month. We're going to do the forgotten two thousands all month, February, 2021, because just because. Because it's our podcast and we can do what we want. Um,
1: and someone, for the love of God, let me talk about <laughs> Final <laughs> Destination. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, very decidedly not talk about Final Destination 4. I'm sorry. The Final Destination. It's so oh, stupid. is that what
0: it's called? Oh, is That's that the name called. of it? That's so funny. Yeah, and, yeah, and I'm going to have to rewatch all of those. Um, but... Stephanie promises me it's all worth it. So find out two weeks from now to see if, if it was worth it. About. Yeah, if it was worth it. Um but yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, you know, we've dealt with some pretty heavy subject matter and themes today. So we're gonna um you know, put that content warning um, of course, in the description as well. Um, but then probably links and resources too, just because, you know, like I said, we're really digging into it. Um and we want to make sure that we're being very sensitive to how serious these themes are. So um yeah, thanks for listening, everybody, and kind of going down that path with us. Um if you haven't watched Pulse, absolutely check it out. Um if you want to, you know, like we said, it deals with serious stuff, but if you um, are looking for <laughs> if you're looking for a horror movie, that's Pulse
1: you're looking then for a time no i'm just joking <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> Are um you
1: prepared to have quite the night um and just yeah take it easy yeah. after
0: it because it you will watch oh sorry go ahead
1: Oh, i was just saying just take it easy because it's it's pretty heavy
0: yeah yeah it's very a very good film but yeah it deals with some heavy stuff but that's all from us thanks for blasting in on your scooters and I don't (laughs) on your
1: Razor scooters
0: because this is the 2000s baby
1: (laughs) we all have Razor scooters
0: except Stephanie in
1: the 2000s because I don't
0: know they were I don't we actually did have a Razor scooter in the 2000s but I think it was given yeah used to whip that thing up and down the driveway like it was no one's business I probably, let's be real i probably whipped myself in the shins with it
1: more often than i whipped around the driveway <laughs> you did you <laughs> Maybe probably did. i just got a phantom pain <laughs> i literally just got a phantom pain in my shins just yeah like that. right. That's awesome. <laughs> Ooh, that stuck with me
0: <laughs> dude those razor scooters lived up to their names those chopped you in the shins like no one's business <laughs> Just right off <laughs> I don't doesn't feet anymore um, but yeah we've <laughs> we've got the whole month of February we're doing this um and then I won't say it yet but we've got an exciting episode planned for episode number seven I'm not gonna tell you what it is yet you're gonna have to find out um early <laughs> March it'll be early March that is correct um but yeah all right well have a great couple weeks <laughs> guys we
1: Have love you great all so much
0: Fortnite. yes we love you all so much obviously um and we'll see you in episode six bye bye everyone